What's up, everybody? I'm Cindy Goodman. I'm Kate Franklin. And welcome to another episode. Shut up. Keep going. I have podcasts where we explore our internet curiosities. Changing it up. That was an Uno reverse on you. Are you confused? Hopefully not. Well, I don't know. Maybe you are. This is Cindy talking now in case you were really confused. Our voices sound very similar. So similar. Um, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Yeah. Mine's not too long, but okay. um, that's what she said, or that's what he said. Oh. I'm gonna talk about Potemkin villages. What okay. do you know these? I'm intrigued. Oh, I dropped my phone. Well, I realized that I kind of bragged about my love and knowledge of Russian history, mm-hmm. and I feel like I have to back up that because All I know right. that there's haters out there, yeah, that they're are saying like, she doesn't know enough, she doesn't know anything. Gatekeeper, I know. I know a lot. Okay. Really. But this me. one actually is really interesting, and I am obsessed with it. Good. It's such an interesting thing. Um, it's basically Grigory Potemkin. Potemkin. Okay. Potemkin was a minister and lover of Russian Empress Catherine II, better known as Catherine the Great. Great name. That is a great name. Because I've heard name. your name. <laughs> so, as we know, Catherine the Great Wait, was. Wait, that's so cute. Wait. What? Two of the most important people in my life, Kate and Alex, are both the great. Oh. Alexander the Great and Catherine the Great. Oh, my God. Cute. Continue. Oh, I'm honored. Um, Will you, like, knight me or something? (laughs) (laughs) No, you would have to knight me. Oh, true. Okay, we'll knight you. I'm just Sydney. I don't think there's anyone. There's probably some old man Sydney the Elder. That... (laughs) Um, like the Gimli of the group. Oh, no, I want to be Legolas. You love, as we've just said, I'm not a Lord of the Rings fan, but my number one thing I know about Lord of the Rings is you saying Legolas. <laughs> <laughs> just like the way you say it, I just know it. Oh, he's so hot. I mean, also the character is great, but like Orlando Bloom as Legolas was fantastic casting. And it's funny because this came up this week. Alex and I were talking about something and I was talking about how like, oh yeah, I had two Legolas posters in my room. My room was not very big and it was the same poster. And he was like, yeah, I don't think it was cool to do that, Sydney. And I was like, oh, you're right. Do you um, want to know something really embarrassing? Oh what? no, my oh. toes are curling because I'm so embarrassed. They're very curled. <laughs> Okay, so I used to, you know how people think that there's like people spying on you through our cameras and stuff? Yeah. So. Is that true? Probably. Okay. Um, so I used to think that pictures of celebrities, they had cameras in the eyes so they could like selectively watch people, I guess, which is really creepy, but I thought. Wait, was, like in magazines or online? Like like dvd covers and like posters how old were you when you believed this like (laughs) (laughs) when did pirates of the caribbean (laughs) okay we were young because i was really scared by the skeletons i was too i thought it was a horror movie (laughs) i I was so scared pirates of the caribbean uh was that 2003 yeah third grade that checks out okay um yeah so i would like suggestively dance in front of my legless poster <laughs> hoping that orlando bloom would see and he'd want to come date me i wish this wasn't true but it is it's true can we just give 
some acknowledgement to the fact that celebrities have to live with the fact that 13 year old girls pine after them like how upsetting that is to be like a 13 year old girl it's like ooh. i was like obsessed with john mayer like to like a gross degree and i'm like this poor man i mean he kind of sucks but like like, I was, like, an ugly, like, nine-year-old. I was, like, John Mayer's going to be my husband. Isn't that weird that it's, like, we wanted to... I don't know. That's weird to me. I don't know them. And then when you, like, meet a celebrity, they're, like, weird. Yeah. Like, celebrities must be, like, messed up. Not all, okay? Oh, my gosh. They have to be. Only because I was just talking to a makeup artist about this. How, like... Okay, I think about... We were talking about this. Sorry if you're one of those creepy people on my, like, socials. But how it's, like, there's, like, like people don't talk about that. And you know for a fact, like, some people kind of do. But it's, like, you know for a fact that it's, like, I am not a celebrity in any form of yeah. the word. Right? Like, I have, I like, am. an internet. You are. You would know this more than I would. But it's, like, Taylor Swift, for example. Like, that woman's DMs must be a mess. Oh. And, like, she has to have stalkers up the wazoo. And, like, they don't talk about that. And, like, it's, like, how do you even cope with that? Like, how do you cope with that? Well, doesn't... Taylor Swift talks about that. I She kind of talks about it. But still, she's... I'm sure she has more stalkers than what she's talked about. Or even... I think it might have been her. But some celebrity... Like, there's, like, men breaking into their homes, sleeping in their beds while they're away. I think that's Kendall Jenner, isn't it? She had, like, a really intense stalker situation. Okay, I know celebrities make a lot of money and they have, like, really nice lives, but that is, like, what's inherently really sad about it is that because they're so public, they kind of, like, don't have a lot. Like, they're not allowed to Mm -hmm. live a normal life. Like, they can't just, like, go out on the street. And that's honestly really... Like, that sucks. Oh, yeah. No, I've thought about this a ton, like, that there's two forms of dehumanization. And one is by, like, thinking that people are worthless and nothing and you dehumanize them. I feel like that's kind of maybe the definition that more people think about. But then I think there's also dehumanization when you put people on this pedestal, which is, and you make them celebrity. And then they no longer, you feel entitled to, like, their lives. You feel entitled to them. And they lose all humanity because they are celebrity now. Well, that's the saddest, like, the saddest concept to me is of child stars. Mm. Especially ones that have a tough time coming into adulthood. Because it's like, we did that to them. We're, Mm -hmm. we, it's our fault. Because we, like, idolize them and then scrutinize them so much so when they start making mistakes it makes them worse i like feel i feel for them like amanda Bynes. i hope you're okay i yeah. loved your show oh amanda 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 show bring out the dancing lobsters yeah honestly oh that's a good show that formed a lot of my humor <laughs> same <laughs> I feel like you can tell <laughs> what an honor i can't remember why we started talking about this it's okay celebrity um, man so I was talking about Potemkin Village. Oh. <laughs> what? How did we start talking about this? My Catherine bad. the Great, the great celebrity. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So, okay, we're talking about Potemkin Villages. We're going to get there. But the background on it is Gregory Potemkin, or Grigory. It's like the Russian version of mm, Gregory, so I don't it. really know. Potemkin you... is also a really good last name. Yeah, it slaps. It's very... Potemkin. It, like, has, like, angles Potemkin. to it. Yeah. yeah, it's like a triangle of a name. Mm. Like, pointy. So uh, he was a minister and lover of the Empress Catherine II, um, Catherine the Great, as we know her. She reigned from 1762 to 1796. Really powerful lady, um, the Great. 
She might have it. been messed up. I don't, okay, I don't, I don't know. know very much about her. Anyways, we're not going to talk that much about her, but we're going to talk about where the idea of Potemkin villages came up. So this is actually disputed if this is real or not, but this is where the term came from. So to those history people who are saying this isn't accurate, okay. Go but yourself. <laughs> Sorry. Just kidding. I love history and I have a lot of reverence for it. What I mean to say is I love a good story and this is what this is. Whether it's true or not, who knows, but let's dive in. So basically, Russia was a huge country. It's a big-ass country. And they conquered a lot of parts of Eastern Europe into Asia, whatever. Not whatever. It's a... I'm getting caught here. Anyways, so they annexed Crimea from the Ottoman Empire... Do you know the Ottoman Empire, like Turkey, Mm -hmm. that kind of vibe? So that area had been super devastated by war. And um, the Russian, the people under the Russian crown varied a lot. There was all different kinds of people that were under it. And so Catherine, like a lot of, I mean, this happened a lot in imperial europe and imperial russia but the leaders like were symbolically like meant a lot and so they would get basically carted around to be like i see you and you're part of me whatever Mm -hmm. so after crimea was annexed and became part of the russian empire catherine uh went down there on a six-month trip it's called new russia at the time and it was hot like it was tense there was gonna be another war there so she went down to kind of smooth things over and be like hey i'm your hot queen we don't need to have war down here peace not love no (laughs) peace not war (laughs) i mean maybe peace not love not love of your country that we're taking over from (laughs) (laughs) so yeah, so the the idea was of her six month trip to New Russia, as it was called, mm-hmm. was to impress these allies prior to this war starting out. So they'd be like, "Yeah, like let's do this." Because I imagine war back then is so awful. I mean, it's always awful, but like I feel like we've talked about war on this podcast. Mm-hmm. You really gotta have people believe in what the cause, or else like they're not gonna want to throw their bodies at other like what are those things with Spears. the. No, the guns with the lances. Oh, I, I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. I can't I mean, think of what are, it's called. That, oh, the fact that that's one thing, it's yeah. like a s- knife and a gun. Like, God. Talk about bringing a knife to a gunfight. Ayo. <laughs> Prepared. Um, yeah, so she goes on this trip. It's like her like introductory trip mm-hmm. to this area. And so Potemkin, who is kind of the minister of this land, supposedly... Uh, to impress her and make her like love it because not only did she want to impress the people everyone like the the imperial people were always treated like babies like they just always had to be like like this is great you know what i mean what no i just feel like when you hear about like imperial kings and queens of europe they're Oh, I see so temperamental saying. and like yes. I thought you meant that the yes. Sorry, I misunderstood you. No, I said it horribly, but I feel like we're all on the same page. We're on now. the same page. Basically, to impress her, Potemkin set up mobile villages along the banks of this river, and I I have the name of the river, but I don't know how to pronounce it. So I'll try. Okay, <laughs> Dnieper. I like it. 
it's not how you say it but she set up these fake villages around this river so when she went down on her little fancy barge she saw all these beautiful villages full of like shining exciting new subjects of hers and she waved to them and they all loved it and it was like this beautiful parade but they were fake they weren't real he set them up so like he would she would float down and go past them and they'd be like yay and then she would keep going and then all these people would tear them down and then set them down further down the river so she would see it again yeah that's a potemkin village it's like a temporary village yeah as like complete facade of like it's not real and it's it's primarily for propaganda so was it the same people that were <laughs> i don't like, know i mean yeah waiting? like they were just like yay and then they're like, <laughs> and then like set it down further down <laughs> which is like a smart really smart I down it, i mean didn't you say he was her lover yeah so like it worked out for him well so anyways so that's the story of what a potemkin vill- that's where it started from mm-hmm. um and like i said a lot of historians don't think this is actually true because of the fact that he was her lover and they were so close that she, people say she would know that he was doing that. Um, I mean, maybe that dick was good. I mean, like, boyfriends lie all the time. Like, you know what I mean? I can attest. <laughs> I've dated a lot of liars. So, who knows um, if that's true. But the fact remains that Potemkin villages became into our consciousness from then. And then they're now a phenomenon that happened that's happened throughout history. I mean, it's happened before that happened, but um, now it's like the term you use to mm. describe something like that. To describe a fake village used for propaganda purposes. How often does this occur? A lot, actually. What? Yeah. So um, there's a lot of it happening back in Russia during the Soviet era. They would set up um, fake villages so uh, that people couldn't see that people in the Soviet Union were starving. Mm. Um, It happens a lot in North Korea. If you watch documentaries about North Korea, like it's a a lot of North Korea is a Potemkin village of like, this is great. And like, it's like, it's I see now. I see now. It's not specifically in the context of like setting up shop on a river to wait. No, that's, that's the origin of it, but it's actually kind of a dark and sad. It's like a propaganda fake. village. Yeah. The saddest one I have to say, I mean, I don't have, I mean, it's the saddest one probably. I mean, they're all sad is, um, the Therenstalt concentration camp in Czech Republic where that was considered the paradise ghetto set up by the Nazis and it was outside of Prague and it was designed as a concentration camp so that they could show it to the Red Cross saying that it was like good and you know Mm -hmm. it was just a place for the Jewish people to live and because it was set up near Prague they had a lot of um really like uh successful and intellectual jewish people that lived in the city that were sent there so there was a famous composer there was a like famous actresses that were sent there and they were basically like put on show and there's a famous nazi propaganda movie um called therenstald it was just called that and that showed like this beautiful place but it was actually a concentration camp and it was like the way station to auschwitz so 
but that's a Potemkin village. Um, so I can't believe it's something that really happened. I know. I I do believe it really happened. For the record, don't get me started. I just I insane. just felt like I needed to clarify. <laughs> I don't need people mincing my words. It's just so terrible. Um. Uh, in more recently in 1998, Enron, the energy company, mm-hmm. set up a fake trading floor in its downtown Houston headquarters to m- impress Wall Street <laughs> analytics people <laughs> to be like, look, we like have like a trading center here. And that wasn't real. Um, in Detroit, uh, a lot of. Wait, so it wasn't real as in it wasn't fully functional or like it what wasn't, part of it, was, it wasn't real? It wasn't functional. Or just, like, looked like a trading floor. Yeah. Like, people, they, like, hired people to be there and, like, act like it was a trading floor, mm-hmm. but it wasn't, actually. Um, in Detroit and in Cleveland and uh, a couple other cities, people will uh, put lights in abandoned buildings to make it look like people live there, especially places that have been, like, decimated by, like, urban flight. Um, and that's considered a Potemkin village. And uh, in 2013, Vladimir Putin Putin uh, visited Sizdal and all of the city center, which were all ruined houses, were covered with large posters that had doors and windows painted on them. Did it? Was he? Did he fall for it? I think it was like it was propaganda. I think he knew that oh. it wasn't there, but it was um, because it's probably televised and stuff. So. Uh, Potemkin villages also um, are related to the Western Falls Front. Do you know what that is? Um, it's, you know, Western, like, saloon-type buildings. Yeah. They'll have the tall oh, front yeah. and then the mm-hmm. back. So that's uh, a false front. And, I mean, that's kind of similar to Potemkin Village. But, um, yeah, there's Potemkin Villages. There's a lot of them in China. China will uh, – I don't know if it's Chinese government. I'm not going to say I have – I've just seen pictures of it. Well, they'll set up like a fake European city to it'll look like it'll be like New Belgium and it's just there. It's not real. So that's Potemkin. What do they use that for? Um, Like, is it more geared towards tourism or? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So interesting. This seems like a bummer. I don't want to make jokes about it. That's okay. Well, some some of them are fascinating. Some of them are. I mean, I think the story of Catherine the Great, I mean, it's like long ago, so it's kind of cute, but yeah. it kind of, I mean, the idea is now it's become like a cultural thing, like about how we trick the leaders into believing they're doing a good job when mm-hmm. it's actually just a Potemkin village. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was set up to for them to think that they're doing a good job when it's actually like not true. It's being built yeah. for their spectacle. It's kind of funny. It's interesting because when I think about, you know, when we're looking at other countries and being like propaganda and we can like, it's easily identifiable where it's like, oh, that doesn't seem great. Like if you have to put up Potemkin, whatever, Potemkin Potemkin villages, like, I don't know. And I'm curious in what ways like the U.S. has propaganda, but we're so like in it. I but mean, it's like obvious to other countries that it's like, oh, how do they believe this? Like, what is happening? Do you know what I mean? I mean, there's a ton, I bet. <laughs> oh, there's a ton, I'm sure. But even like, this isn't necessarily propaganda, but I feel like people talking about like how expensive medi- like medical care is in the United States. And I'm not going to talk too much about it because I'm not 
super well versed in everything. Like I was talking to a friend from Canada and he, we were just talking about it and like, how does it, I was like, what? I didn't even like, I knew that Canada had like, like their medical care was like way more affordable, but I had no idea. It was like, you just like walk in and walk out. What? And it just things like that. Like I'm sure on a propaganda level, there's tons of stuff in the U S that we do that other countries are like, look at these bitches. Like what's going on over here. I mean, I guess Trump went on SNL, but like, I know Obama would go on late night shows a lot and like, like slow jam the news. And it's like, I wonder if that, if other countries do that, like, I feel like that would be, that seems like a very specific, like American example of, you know, a leader doing something. I don't know. It's like not political specifically, but it's to like appeal to people, which I think is propaganda. Whichever side of the political spectrum you are on, I feel like that's what it is. Right. Is Mm -hmm. like, trying to have mass appeal by thwarting something i don't know yeah no i think in general like all of that is very interesting and like the collective like psyche and all this i was reading about like jackie onassis kennedy Mm -hmm. and like a lot of she was very intentional after jfk got assassinated that like she was still wearing the like pink like I don't know. It wasn't a suit, but like oh, yeah, her the little, skirt with yeah. the thing, the little hat. And so she wore it that day because JFK like really liked it and like requested that she wore it. And then even though it like had her blood on it, she like didn't take it off even once. Um, oh my gosh. I'm embarrassed. Linda B. Johnson. Yeah. Was getting um, sworn in. Sworn in. Yeah. I put my hand out. I saw you know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, got sworn in because she, her thing was like, I want like it's symbolic and like I want to make sure that like whoever did this like they see what they've done and that like she wanted to make sure even though I guess when she was flying in Air Force One with his casket sorry I don't know if that's what she was flying in but where whatever she was flying in in his casket like they were basically like hey we can like let you out through the back so you don't have to see cameras and she intentionally was like no I want to like be a signal of strength and like things like that. Like, I don't know. I just think it's very fascinating. Like all everything I think in everything is so intentional, whether it's like marketing products or politics and how people are presenting themselves or celebrities and like being photographed at like a, in tabloids to promote well, even, yeah, while they're I mean, every in a movie, like single, everything is so orchestrated. Every single like, piece of clothing a politician wears is symbolic did you know that mm-hmm. i kind of didn't know that yeah recently. i can't remember where i learned that because like um i knew this before this but like kamala harris's white suit at the their acceptance speech like that was the suffrage white like it was a specific mm-hmm. white color yeah. and then all you know all the like flag pins sounds stressful i just like yeah, choose my outfits based on how I'm do you know feeling? what's a really funny one this is far back in history but i learned about the other day which like western like monarchy culture is so funny like it's just insane like the certain traditions that happened one of them was because i was reading something about marie antoinette the bedding ceremony was the wedding night of like the king Mm. to be or the king they would put them to bed like the whole court would come they would undress them and put them in a bed and then the tradition was in the morning they would go in and take the sheets and see if there was blood on it meaning that they consummated their marriage and if there wasn't blood on the sheets then the marriage marriage was annulled Wait, and that's why just, does there need to be blood because of the 
I thought that was a myth. Potemkin Village. That's a Potemkin Village. Uh, on that note, we're talking about lead poisoning. Okay. <laughs> what an episode. We didn't plan this. Yeah. So um, we're talking about lead poisoning because there's a few things that I thought was interesting that kind of like fell into that. So I thought, why not just group it together? Um, so yeah, fall of Rome. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Fall of Rome. Um, and that there are some hypotheses that lead poisoning actually led to, uh, no pun intended, led to the fall of Rome. Wow. Yes. Um, so if you didn't know, lead poisoning, it lead is very toxic. <laughs> If you're just finding out now, here we are. Put put it away. <laughs> yeah, just put the lead away. Um, but yeah, so kids that are exposed to lead, um, like there, it can even be like small amounts of lead, but it's just oh. so not good um, that kids that are exposed are vulnerable to learning disabilities, decreased IQ, ADHD, issues with impulse control, which might lead to more crimes once these kids reach adulthood, specifically violent crimes. Um, and that's just something to keep in the back of your head. See, the CDC says straight up, no lead levels are safe for children. Uh, because again, causes brain development issues, learning disabilities, behavioral issues, kidney damage, seizures, sometimes death, like lead, not good. Um, but so yeah, not great. going back to Rome, high born Romans drinks were actually like cooked in lead vessels and their water came to their homes through lead pipes. Um, so in 1980, oh yeah, so there's like lead everywhere, dude. Like <laughs> it's just, it's overflowing with lead. Um, so in 1983 research scientist Jerome, it's spelled N R I A G U Riagu, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, and I got this from the Washington post, by the way, uh, they looked into this whole idea of Romans drinks being cooked in lead vessels. And they found that out of 30 Roman emperors and usurpers, 19 quote, had a predilection to the lead tainted food. So they would actually boil down grapes into syrups into in these lead pots or lead lined kettles. So again, lead everywhere. Some historians argue that lead poisoning plagued the Roman elite with things like gout and hastened the emperor empires fall and theoretically if they are like lead poisoned like your brain's also kind of doing some funky mm -hmm. things as well so making some questionable decisions kind of like i think we've talked about the like syphilis issue with um no we talked about air got poisoning air got poisoning no but also like people say that syphilis like was a thing with royalty like with like oh, henry with the, the cod piece yeah. yeah um and that that like led to people just like making erratic like poor decisions at, in leadership because my, it wasn't sorry. being it wasn't yeah. being treated and so it was just kind of run and rampant crazy my question is how did they not realize that was how did it go on for so long that they didn't realize like oh like something is like going on with the way we're because i feel like i don't know is it stockholm syndrome like if everybody is drinking things out of lead then theoretically everyone has this to some degree so are people just dying younger and like getting crazy like everyone, if that's the case. Yeah, I guess. Um, it didn't really get into that. You'll see. Okay. So some historians argue that lead poisoning plagued the Roman elite with things like gout, hastened the empire's fall, the fall. And then in 2014, historians, according to Science Magazine, discovered just how contaminated Roman tap water was. So this isn't even of the, like the high elite. Researchers compared the lead isotopes in sediment samples from the harbor basin at Portus 
which is a maritime port of imperial port and from a channel connecting the port to the tiber 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 Tiber. river and they found that tap water from ancient rome likely contained up to a hundred times more lead than local spring water Uh, but the team did say that while it was a a lot of lead it wasn't enough to be harmful on its own which rules out just the tap water being an issue um but again the cdc says straight up like any level of lead is unsafe for children so that's kind of conflicting information and what i found with this is that there was a lot of like conflicting schools of thought yeah on this um but so going back to our buddy riagu uh he claims that well here's how he described quote the dull-witted and absent-minded claudius who he considered most likely to have suffered from lead poisoning. Quote, he had disturbed speech, weak limbs, an ungainly gait, tremor, fits of excessive and inappropriate laughter, and unseemly anger. And he often slobbered. Um, But the 2014 team that we went back, that was testing the tap water and ultimately was like, the tap water ain't it. Uh, They concluded that the lead in the water wasn't enough to be truly harmful. And they criticized Riagu's theory and said, quote, lead is no longer seen as the prime culprit of Rome's demise. So that guy was on lead. (laughs) Apparently. (laughs) Um, However, they did say just like not the prime culprit. So I'd be curious. I couldn't find any evidence if maybe they believed it even a little bit or if it contributed. But they just said it's not the prime culprit. How did they get? How do you get lead? Lead was like in everything, dude. Like lead paint. Like there was lead Is in it a like rock? car gasoline. It's a rock. Um, it's a mineral. So, do you extract like rocks of lead? That sounds really dumb. I, I truly like kind of don't know. No, I'm looking it up. I don't know either. Lead can be found in all parts of our environment: the air, the soil, the water, even inside our homes. Um, much of its exposure comes from human activities including the use of fossil fuels, including past use of leaded gasoline, some industrial facilities, and past use of lead-based paint in homes. This is from epa.gov. USU says lead. It's a toxic heavy metal found in mineral deposits in the Earth's crust. Okay. So Okay, I see. Okay. So it's not like you don't necessarily find, like, boulders of lead. Like, you're not going to go out back and, like, grab a rock and have it. Like Wait, go. so lead pencils, is that the same lead? It's graphite. Oh, okay, cool. Just want to make sure, because I definitely, like, did you ever stab graphite. yourself with it? Oh, all the time. I thought I could give myself a tattoo. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. No, we're good. Okay, so there was a paper from <laughs> this guy named Rick Nevin. Um, the paper was, I think, Mother Jones uh, is what referenced this paper. But um, now we're talking about... Oh, wow. This is a rough transition. So now we're talking about, we were talking about lead poisoning in the context of the fall of Rome. And now we're talking about lead poisoning in the context of crime rates. Wait, can I just ask not to like check you, but like, so it, let me just summarize. So how it affected the fall of Rome is that it made people sick and a little nutso. And so they stopped being reliable and that led to the fall of Rome. Well, it's not just like stop being reliable, like it like, like lead poisoning causes people like psychologically to like kind of lose their mind. Like they become really erratic, like they become very violent. And so if you have people that are like the decision makers and they're just making erratic decisions and just want to fight everybody and is no longer is 
and also i mean if you think about like gout and they like have like some weird gait they're slobbering like so they're saying this about the leaders of rome were like little nutso because of the lead yeah that's how i interpreted it okay yeah um but again so if you have like somebody who appears weak that also feels like a bad symbol for other countries they're gonna be like oh this guy's weak we're gonna invade them so yeah. just like all of these factors kind of coming together. But again, there was that 2014 team that kind of said that like lead wasn't the prime culprit. So there could have been something else also going okay. on or maybe lead just like wasn't negligible. Yeah. Um, but it's hard to deny that there definitely was a lot of lead in their environment. <laughs> um, but so there's this paper from Rick Nevin and it's not necessarily proof, uh, but it is really interesting. But homicides dramatically increased between 1900 to 1911. Um, and most of that appears to be increased rural homicides, not urban homicides. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And Nevin thinks that it's lead exposure. Whoa. Yes. Because professional painters in the 1800s prepped house paint by mixing linseed oil with white lead paste. Yeah. And about 90% of of Americans lived in rural areas in the mid 1800s. And so lead paint wasn't available in most rural areas before the 1880s and starting into the 1880s with revolutions in rail transport and mail, it made it economical for lead paint to be available almost everywhere, including rural rural areas. And they're painting their barns with it. And so there's something called the lead crime hypothesis, which is a proposed link between elevated blood lead levels in children and increased rates of crime. When did they stop using lead paint? Uh, I actually will talk about that in a second. So lead is super toxic, as we've covered. Uh, And kids are exposed, or we already talked about this, but kids exposed, they're vulnerable to learning disabilities, decreased IQ, ADHD, issues with impulse control, which may lead to more crimes once these kids reach adulthood, specifically violent crimes. I didn't find any information on like, if that's just like widely accepted as the kind of like consequence of lead, of like high lead levels, or like if there's data to support that it's like, violent crimes i didn't see it It just seemed like that's just what people accept um but those who believe this hypothesis argue that removing lead additives from motor fuel and the decline in children's exposure explains the fall in crime rates in the u.s beginning in the 90s um so this was actually they stopped like doing putting lead in everything or started caring about what lead was in when we were kids when did they realize it's really bad and we got to stop. I'd assume around then. That that recently? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you remember, but when we, I feel like when we were in like elementary school it was a big thing of like lead paint. Oh yeah. Of like, don't use lead paint. Like, I feel like I heard the term lead paint thrown around a lot and where it's like. Oh yeah. I have trauma around it because in my old house in San Francisco, it was like falling apart and the paint was tripping off and it I think it might have been lead paint and I had Ernie ate some of it <gasps> and I had to get his stomach pumped. Oh, good, good cat parent though. It was really traumatizing. I'm sorry. That's so stressful. Yeah. Anyways. There was a situation where Simba, I was wrapping a present and like I had some string, some like string and it was like skinny string and I couldn't remember how much I had trimmed off, but he ate it mm. and I couldn't remember. And it's super, super dangerous. If you have cats, it's so dangerous for cats to eat string because it could wrap around their intestines 
or it could lacerate it and then it'll get an internal infection. So it, like if they eat string, it is so important to take them to the vet to get their stomach pump. Wait, I think he Ernie ate string like not long ago. Should I take him to the vet? I mean, if it was a few days ago, he's probably fine and pooped it out. Oh, it was like a month ago. Oh, yeah. yeah okay. There would have been issues already. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> but so it's really important to like take them to the vet. And so I like had to take simba to the vet and it was like a whole thing and it ended up being like the string that he ate was like an inch long oh <laughs> but it was worth it for like peace of mind um but anyways so the people who believe the hypothesis argue that removing lead additives again it we also see a correlating decline but that's not mutually exclusive with other explanations if the drop of u.s crime rates or sorry of the drop of u.s crime rates like it cites the legislation of abortion to also have reductions in violent crime rates. I'm not sure why. Wait, the reduction of abortions or the... No, no, no. The legalization of abortions could have also reduced violent crime rates because like that kind of happened around the same time that lead stopped being so okay. prevalent. Um, but here's a quote from Jessica Wolpau-Reyes of Amherst College. Um Quote, 2020, all adults in their 20s and 30s will have grown up without any direct exposure to gasoline lead during childhood, and their crime rates could be correspondingly lower. Um, between 1992 and 2002, the phase out of lead from gasoline in the U.S., quote, was responsible for approximately a 56% decline in violent crime. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's cr- wait. So it's is it just because it causes such psychological problems? Mm-hmm. That's so crazy. There's also something, and I didn't read too too far into it because I felt like I had like so inf- much information. But there was something about like, um, going off of the rural mm-hmm. uh, increased violent crime rates um, that we talked about. Basically, that like once barns were being painted i can't remember if it was white or red one of them was the lead paint and that like there was like a correspondence of like number of like let's just say it was white again i'm not sure which color it was i feel like it's red just because i red red barns okay there was a number of there was a correspondence of like red painted barns and like number of homicides whoa because like one of the colors meant that it could only happen with uh with lead paint that's crazy yeah i mean there's so many scary murder stories about like farmhouses getting decimated by family members i it's what's interesting to me is it's like hindsight 2020 but this also like was not that long ago yeah and i think that it's just like i don't know about you but i just assume that you know we are really lucky we live in safe area like we live in like a a very developed city we live in los angeles and i just assume that it's like everything around me is safe yeah in terms of environmentally and it's like it's probably what the people with like lead and popcorn stealings and like asbestos thought too <laughs> like are. what are we gonna now find we out see all those like mesothelioma like commercials and it's just it's yeah like what is it around us that's like not cool i mean i feel like bpa is one of them that has been phased out as we've been yeah like conscious adults i don't know i feel like something in cell phones is gonna get us someday Mm, i'm sure something in like ziploc bags i feel like plastic there's probably some toxin or something in plastic i mean plastic doesn't feel normal 
I yeah. don't know. But it's just, it's really interesting. I think it's just fascinating because you think about it as a society and just like as like a culture, just like not even a culture, just like as like a species, right? Yeah. Like humans, like we're like disruptors and we're just creating things and inventing things and we're genetically modifying things and just like doing things. And how like ultimately we're like sort of killing ourselves off in a weird way by these innovations because there's things that we also don't know i don't know it's like kind of humbling in a weird way yeah well like you churn up the earth and some of it isn't so friendly (laughs) yeah because it it is like naturally occurring lead yeah totally it's just i don't know i think I think we all know that it's like I value human life and I'm not making light of like all of these people that probably got murdered at the hands of people who were poisoned by lead. Yeah. But I do think it's just like it is again very humbling in a weird way like I hesitate. I want to say beautiful but I hesitate because there's a lot of bad things that come as a consequence of nature being in control but at the end of the day as much as we as humans think that we are like top dog in it yeah like dude no like nature is always in control and nature will always win yeah way stronger than us always yeah like think about just like natural disasters or hello like covid or like sickness and like all of these things that are of nature And it's just like, we can't, we can only do so much. Like we're only human. And it's just, I don't know. It, again, it, there's a certain amount of like chaos and fear thinking about like being so out of control. But also I think there's something like very calming to just like be reminded that it's like, this is all so much bigger than us. Well, yeah, I think the bright side is that even if we're we as humans are temporary like nature is everlasting yes which is why we have to protect nature too because it doesn't that bitch like you know it's we can't build another earth even though we like want to pretend like we can we really can't you know yeah I don't know. It's, it's stressing me out. I can't think about it too much. But I mean, that's what, that's what I think is so crazy about COVID is like, we thought we were such a developed society and it's like, we are still so vulnerable and it's Mm -hmm. chaos can really rain down on us. And I think maybe, especially for our generation where we've kind of had a pretty cushy (laughs) life, like that's really, uh, unsettling to feel, um, but hopefully it'll, I think it'll make us stronger ultimately. Yeah. I mean, this, I'm about to try and be positive about this. This all comes, I can't remember if it was this episode or the last episode where we were talking about depression during the (laughs) um, pandemic, but you know, this has not been easy for, I don't think anyone. And I think some people have varying degrees of easiness. Like I feel really lucky. I've still been able to work. Like I, you know we're in a position where we know we can afford our rent like we are so 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 lucky and just like blessed and i say all of this understanding that like we are like one percent so lucky that yeah how what would the word be affected or rather not affected we have been by the virus however i do think that like this time I've learned a lot about myself Yeah, that I don't think I have. I've learned a lot about like my priorities. I've learned a lot about how much I work and that that's not what I want. Like that I would prefer to prioritize people and relationships and like 
I'm realizing how incredibly important socializing is for me. And just like, I think that, you know, this has been a shitty situation and I need to find something out of it. And for me, it's like, I've had the time that I have needed and maybe I need a little bit more time to like heal from my own personal illness that like, I didn't even know was going on and like take the time to rest and just, I don't know. I think that this has been a once in a lifetime, hopefully, uh, situation. Yeah, seriously. I feel the same way. I kind of didn't realize how social I am yeah, and how much that really like has affected my life. I feel like for everyone, I do feel like it's important to say that it's really hard. I feel like a lot of people are trying to downplay how hard it is and that can feel really alienating. But I just mm. want to say like, I recognize that it's really it's hard. so hard. I, really I mean, is. maybe that's just how I sometimes like perceive it, like from other people being like, eh, da, da, and I'm like, I'm having a horrible time. Well, I think it's, it's good like, to hear like that. It's like, it really is affecting everyone, you know? Yeah, no, totally. I think that it's a few things. Like I think people feel a certain amount of pressure or pressure that they put on themselves to like be the strong one or like, you know, if somebody asks you how you're doing culturally, it's like not super acceptable, except I do this all the time. People probably hate me. They'll be like, how are you doing? I'm like, you know, I'm not doing that great. Um, <laughs> like just cause like, I'm not going to tell you I'm doing good if I'm not doing good, but there's plenty of people and it's so valid that are maybe more socially adjusted than I. And they're just like, oh, I'm doing totally fine. Like I baked a loaf of bread. And like, I think that it's just, I don't know. It's hard because I agree. I think because like I'm, comfortable with being very honest about where I'm at when people say that I'm like oh no is there something why am I the only one having a bad time here I feel like people find it refreshing because I do the same thing maybe you just hope people find it refreshing because <laughs> they're do like the same I thing. love this that you're always having I, I love that you're always having a bad time well, thank you for telling me who was saying I think it was Caleb saying this to me because I every time I reflect on a moment in my life I was like yeah that was the most traumatic time of my life and he's like I feel like every part of your life has been traumatic lots of trauma I'm spending and tons I'm like, of money in therapy yeah it kind of has been it's been just a constant like <laughs> snowball of like what's going on but I but on the other hand, it might just because I really do process my emotions as they mm. happen. And that's healthy, I believe. Maybe. Yeah. It's interesting. Okay. So this is like kind of in left field, but I feel like, I don't know, it's related to okay. processing yeah. and emotions and reflecting. I was talking to my therapist and I was like, you know, I don't know. I feel like I'm like happy with the person that I am. Like, I do feel like I'm like a relatively good per like I feel like I'm a good person and I think that it's like I'm ha- I'm happy with myself yeah. and like I'm happy that it's like oh cool like I don't know I'm I'm here and you know we talk a lot about just even the basis of this podcast is just asking why a lot why like I don't understand like why am I so lucky to be in a place where I feel like I am genuinely like I'm happy with myself and she made a really good point now I'm realizing this is kind of off topic, but she did make a really good point, which is just like, Sydney, you like work really hard on yourself. Like you are not afraid to like call yourself out, yeah. like face your demons and just like work and process through emotions. And like, also she didn't say this. I'm filling in this blank. You've gone to a shit ton of therapy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I have. I've been seeing a therapist consistently for like four years. Yeah. And sometimes for parts of that, I was seeing my therapist like two or three times a week. Like I like, I've, I've definitely, I put in the work, but like, it's just, it's interesting to me. Like the, 
how necessary I think it is to sometimes just like process your emotions and sit with yourself. And I don't know, maybe for some people, this is a good time to do that. I know it's been a really big reflective point in my life. And I think that I hope that whenever life goes back to quote unquote normal, that I'll see a, a definitive change of like what my priorities were and how I was operating prior to this and yeah. what it's going to look like after. Yeah. Same. Let's hope so. I think I will. I think I've become stronger, but it was, ooh, it's been a ride. <laughs> no, totally. So if you're out there and you're not having the best time, just know you're not alone. Yeah. You're definitely not alone I'm with you. Uh, and we will all get through this. Hopefully. How soon. do you think cats? I feel like, pets are like this rocks dude my cats are gonna be messed up after this they're obsessed with us being home yeah like i at any moment i will have at least two cats in my office during the day at all times of the day it's so cute but also i get stressed when i leave for the grocery store because i'm like oh no like i hope they know i'm coming back i know i'm the same way i so stressful and i used to i mean i don't need to get into that Ernie used to have a sister and then she was lost in a divorce. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I stress for them. I've definitely seen videos of people, though, who got, quote, quarantine pets. And so their pets only know. Oh, my God. That's like they only know life with you at home 24-7. And I'm like, "Ah." oh, no, that makes me so sad. Simba follows me into the bathroom. He, like, does not leave my side all day. Ernie... I guess I'll say this. Ernie sits in my lap when I go to the bathroom. He literally like will hear me open the bathroom door and run, and then like, the I sit down. And he'll yeah. I'm swear to God, it's kind of unhealthy. Whatever. Don't you get afraid of like hair getting places? No, I I'm always afraid. Oh, <laughs> I don't know why I have this like weird fear of like an insect crawling inside of me. I mean, I have that big time. In my ear. I'm, like, really scared of things getting into my ear. Oh, I meant specifically in my vagina. Oh, true. I'm less nervous about that. Really? It's pretty well protected. I just feel like it's, like, a bigger hole than the rest of my mouth. Yeah, but the- well, I guess my mouth's big. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, all the other holes, I feel like, are, like, small. Is it true that you eat, like, 10 spiders a year? I've heard that. I hate that. I've heard that. Oh, can we stop talking oh, about this? Sorry. Okay. I read about a spider. Never mind. I'm not going to say that. I'm scared about stuff like that. I always think I'm like very hypochondriac about oh, that. Oh, really? Well, okay. Because, yeah. I mean, no, I get it. I don't like him crawling on me. I'm not here for that. Did I... you know I had to eat a tarantula once? Why? For work. What? What? It's a sad story. So. Aren't tarantulas like cute? Kind of. They are kind of cute. And they're it was like a freeze dried one. Yeah. Okay. So what happened was, this is when I was still at BuzzFeed. We were brainstorming for a video that we were shooting that was like a challenge based video. And it was, the challenge was, it was like a VR thing and you just had to hold these two keys and things would happen around you. And the whole thing was like, if you got scared, you probably would take your fingers. So I think it was called don't let go. And so we're like, oh, there has to be like a punishment. And there were three of us that were talking about this and we're like, oh, we should have them like eat a tarantula, whoever like let's go like whoever holds it the least amount of time. And so we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we purposely were like, oh, let's cast one other person because none of us want to do it. And then we'll just cast somebody who will like, they'll have to eat it. No problem. And so it's like shoot day and we're doing it. And I let go. 
And I was like, no, no, no. But like the other guy, he let go like before me. And they're like, no, no, no. Anyone who lets go has to do it. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I came up with this punishment. That's not the plan. Oh my God. And so it's funny because if you watch the video, I'm like legitimately freaking out. And it's because I'm like actually pissed because I'm like, no, this wasn't what, what did it taste to. Did, how, did you eat the whole thing? I had to take like a bite. You can watch it on the internet somewhere. I'm um, not going to watch that. I'm sorry. But like it comes in a can and then we like take it out of the can and like I like chopped it up, but it's like shell is like very hard. Does it look like a tarantula? Yes. The shell is like very <sighs> hard that. and my palms are sweating talking about it. And then like you just like pop it in your mouth and like it's like really hard to chew through. Who eats that? I feel like it's mostly for things like that where it's like it's like, not a joke like but it's like a that. like shock factor thing. I hate that. Yeah, but people are always it's a good hook. People are always really interested when I'm like I've eaten a tarantula. They're like, "Oh, I kind Never of again, If you say that I'm like, I don't want to hear about that." Yeah. So thanks for making putting me through that. I'm just kidding. It was a tr- was it the most traumatic moment for you? It this is my new traumatic moment. No, I had I don't need to talk. I had this huge cockroach in my apartment and mm-hmm. it was honestly like I wanted to move out because it was I couldn't, but it was so big. And it, did you like put it outside? Yeah, I like didn't want to kill it because I didn't want to experience that. So I literally stood with a cup held against it and I like couldn't find a piece of paper. So I was moving it across oh, my ceiling. I've done it was. Uh, and then I, the thing is, I ca- finally caught it, and it was like shaking the cup. It was so big, like it was had. And then I let it out, but I like freaked out and just like threw it. And my neighbors were having a barbecue like right outside <laughs> my door, so I threw a huge cockroach at them. <laughs> so, anyways, sorry guys. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Cock- I, I get it. So I I talk a big game of like I don't like killing like any form of like I don't like killing bugs just because I feel like they're just doing their best. They're just trying to yeah. They're just trying to do their job. Um, but I will say when they're like when push comes to shove, if I'm feeling threatened, like nope, all that's out the window. Yeah. Like I was cleaning out our patio. We have this issue with our neighbors. Oh my goodness. And basically, long story short, they have like some of their foliage that they don't take care of and it spills into our patio and the foliage that they don't take care of is like debris and it's dead. And so like, it's just like festering with bugs. And so we get all of their bugs into our patio. So like I never use, and right now we're hurting for going outside. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, and I never really utilize our space because like there are so many bugs. And so finally the other day, Alex and I were like, okay, we're going to just like clean it out. Like, let's just clean it up. It's fine. And I'm very like of the mindset that if I'm outside, I do not kill bugs because I am in their territory and like I'm in their home and it is just not right. But in this instance, not dog. I start at first. I was like, okay, spider, like, please, like, I'm just going to set this over here and like, just like leave it. And I'm going to put the pile. What kind of spider? Just like all kinds of spiders. I don't know. They weren't like back widows. I was like double checking for that. Oh, they were just like spideys. I don't oh. know, but they were big. They weren't small for sure. Um, and so I was just like, eh, I don't know. Don't worry, the, the door is closed. No, I she know. Went and looked, like... She looked at the patio. Um, but so I was like, oh no, like I was being really good about it. And then like three hours later, like anytime I saw a spider, I was like, ah! and just like would like stomp on it. I'm like, I don't have the patience for this, <laughs> oh. and I still feel really guilty about it. But it was just like there were too many. Like I must yeah. have seen fifty spiders. 
I have white spiders in my apartment. Is Small that, ones? Yeah. I, there's something called like spider mites. They might be. Similar. No, they're like, they are actual spiders, but they're oh. white. Um, I don't know what that means. But I kill them. I feel bad. Sorry, oh. spider. But um, yeah. I, no, I get it. I will kill them if they're in my bedroom because I, I don't need them crawling in my mouth. Yeah. One time, though, this is the last time, a last thing I'll say about spiders, and then we can close out. Um, <laughs> unless you have other things that you want to add. Nothing else to add. Uh, but there was one time when I was, I was still living at home. I was in high school, and I was reading a book and like propped up against my bed frame. And my bed frame had like a cabinet at the back, so it was like had some depth to it. And I'm just sitting there and then all of a sudden I like feel something on my head and I just assumed that it was like my hair moving and my hair was moving, but it's cause there was a freaking spider moving it. Was it, it was big? like straight up. It was a daddy long legs. Oh. So, you know, those, those are like are, inherently, are friend guys. they're friend guys, but they're inherently, <laughs> they're, <friend guys>. <laughs> <laughs> they're inherently like big because of their legs. Right. Yeah. And it's just like crawling down my face No. and I just like batted it off of my head did a little a big like head gyration and then was like nope and then i slept on my parents floor for a week oh i can't i can't i have a lot of trauma around bugs because i had a really true you were a bug basically bugs life it's my autobiography i went to belize in high school at a very vulnerable age and i didn't closed my net all the way and mm. there was a night where there was buzzing in my ear all night long i got no sleep i woke up the next morning and turned over my pillow and there were three Stop. giant beetles no there was my bed with no me. there was not yeah nope and then i guess i should stop i put on my shoes and there was something wiggling and it was a huge spider in my shoe so mm-mm, mm-mm. I, do, I do not like mm-mm. it we, we do mm-mm. not like it mm-mm. i I want them to live and survive and have a great life. And we just, we, we, it's a misconnection. <laughs> Miscommunication. It's just like, yeah, not happening. Yeah. Well, well on that note, hopefully we didn't gross you out too much that so you'll come back next Friday up every episode. New. Oh no. New episodes on Fridays. <laughs> See you then. See you then. Ta-ta for now. Bye. Bye.